0: Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 374th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or iwanttogarden.com. Today on our podcast, we have someone who digs into the vast world of invisible life in our soil. We're talking with Anthony Dominguez about soil microbes. Anthony? Is an Arizona native from the town of Gila Bend with a degree in microbiology from the University of Arizona. He is the co-founder and COO of High Creations, a company created to bring beneficial microbes to the world and farmers everywhere. With an organic philosophy and a science core, they have developed a line of soil amendments for both indoor and outdoor cultivation. He has a long interest in microbes, especially in their beneficial properties. Welcome to the show today, Anthony. Are you ready to rock? the microbes?
1: Yes, let's rock and roll.
0: Sweet. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today?
1: I would say my path started from a young age, from the first time I got sick, you know, getting that little jar of penicillin for your strep throat. I kind of wondered what's making me feel better and what, you know, made me feel sick. So that kind of sparked my interest, always kind of like diseases and what caused them. And the fact that, you know, we couldn't see these microbes or any of these Viruses that got us sick. But, you know, growing up in my small town, a hill of Ben, definitely agriculture was always in my heart. Mm-hmm. My grandfather worked on a commercial farm for years. He still does. You know, they did alfalfa, cotton, and wheat. But on the other side, my other grandfather is the complete opposite. He's a small kind of hippie, type deal he always grew food in his backyard he even opened up a store in camford yeah he had a little spot called the health hut and it was always awesome to go visit him in the summers you know he'd have his just shelves filled with organic foods and vitamins he always had like animals in the backyard and it was like hey where'd that goat go that those last time here and he's like kind of sent him off to the butcher you know as I kind of got older and progressed, I really saw my path go towards, you know, agriculture and science because of a science teacher I had in seventh grade. And he was showing me how to measure water and look at stuff under a microscope. And I just knew that that was something I wanted to do. And it was awesome that I actually ended up meeting that teacher again as an advisor at the U of A. And he definitely pushed me into the College of Agricultures and Life Sciences.
0: Nice.
1: And on there, we got exposed to just a whole bunch of fun stuff. And he took us on a couple trips because we were in a agriculture group. It was called Manners, Minority in Agriculture, Natural Resources, and Related Sciences. And I can remember driving up to Sacramento for a conference, and we passed a dairy, and everyone's kind of like, "Ew, gross!" You know, they don't like that smell. You know, me growing up where I did, I was used to it. But it was one thing that he said. He's like, "You know, you guys may smell crap. But you know, that's money to a farmer. That's how they live." You know, that really resonated with me. And some of the work we do is dirty. It smells and we get down in the dirt and we play with the microbes and our vegetables and I just love that stuff.
0: Oh yeah, you know I had my first business here in the mid-70s, I used to clean service and build fish ponds and getting down and mucking out fish ponds, you know maybe I'm strange but I love the smell and it was great fun work, I remember that
1: It's real interesting, right? You know, you work with something for so long and then some smell bothers people, it just, you know, my first time working with the bacteria, it was you know, real strong, almost ammonia-like because they were fixing nitrogen all right yeah and you're like i almost didn't like it and then as you progress and just work with it for so long you enjoy it and it's funny to see other people's reactions when they come into your laboratory or your work and they're like this smells and you're like yeah awesome it you know smells right right
0: exactly so what are microbes Let's just start there.
1: Yeah, you know, so microbes are microscopic organisms, meaning that we can't see them with the human eye, and you would definitely need some sort of equipment like a microscope. I even think there's large enough microorganisms out there that you can see with a really You know, good specific magnifying glass. Wow. Most of the time you're going to see them under a microscope on a slide or something. And, you know, you could break it down into different categories. They're probably about five right now. It changes from time to time. But, you know, you're going to have your bacteria, your fungi, your viruses, algae, protozoa, and parasites and that'll just range from what they can and can't do Uh uh-huh you know your bacteria are definitely gonna be your most numerous ones especially in the soil right But you're also going to have tons of fungi and viruses. You know, they're so small. I really don't have a good grip on those yet. You know, you have some expensive equipment to actually look at those guys.
0: Wow. So are soil microbes different than other microbes?
1: No, that's just all about their environment. You know, they're all going to stay within the same type of categories that we just mentioned. But some of the soil microbes that everyone is going to be familiar with is like your trichoderma, your mycos, your bacillus species, you know, your pseudomonads. But there's nothing really different. They're going to function the same way. Really interesting, like bacillus species. We all know that's in the soil, right?
0: Well, we do now because you just told us.
1: All right. But like the same Bacillus species, you can find a Bacillus anthracis out there, Uh which is the causative agent of anthrax. Oh, You can go find one that's non-virulent, which means it's not going to harm a human being or it's not going to cause harm to something. Mm -hmm. And you go find that on a cow right now. You go swab a cow and I'm sure you could pull up Bacillus anthracis. The non... Yeah, non-virulent one. And the reason why... It wouldn't be virulent or harmful to anyone just because of its gene expressions.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's a really deep conversation. You're going to have to boil that down to my level. Gene expression, what's that mean?
1: You know, when we're all created on the bacteria or humans, we all have a set of genes and chromosomes that we get. It's just basically what is expressed is what you are exposed to. I'm trying to make it a little bit more clear, but uh-huh. just like, say for instance, what we do, we take bacteria from the soil and we put them back in there so we know they perform well and they're always going to perform certain functions. You take something out of its environment and place it like say in a freezer, like we would do to you know, preserve some bacteria, it'll actually lose genes because of the environment you put it in.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So like in the case of, you know, bacillus anthracis, it's just all depending on where it's at and the environment. And that determines what genes are expressed. Just like, you know, how humans evolved. Uh-huh. We evolved around our surroundings. It's kind of simple like that, you know?
0: Right, exactly. So which microbes are beneficial? Which ones are the ones we're looking for in soil?
1: Oh, man, you've got a lot of like bacillus amyloliquefaciens, bacillus subtilis, which is a very popular one. You can just go on and on and on, but definitely your bacillus species. And I really like the Pseudomonad species. And this is because you've got some very special properties, you know, with all the commercial farming that goes on right now, there's Uh a lot of pesticides being sprayed on our foods and in the fields, Mm-hmm. And what we found with the pseudomonad species is they are actually great degraders of those chemicals and molecules. So when you put them down on the ground, it actually removes some of that pesticide, that residual that's still in there. Those are going to be like your pseudomonas Petita, your pseudomonas fluorescens, your pseudomonas stutzeri. You know, they're just a great benefit, and they even have some antipathogenic properties, meaning mm-hmm. that they can outcompete like some of your fungus pathogens out in the fields that you know you'd be dealing with, even in the field and even in your small farms, you know?
0: Right. These beneficials, they're doing work for us.
1: They're doing a lot of work for us. And I feel sometimes it's unrecognized just because of the regulations and red tape you have to go through to get them registered. Uh huh. If you want to say anything about it, you know, killing a specific pathogen or reducing a mold, you know, it's like a million dollar process you have to go through. Wow. Even though, you know, these things are great for your farm or your soil and your plants it's just if you want to get it registered and sold somewhere that's the process you have to go to it's a little slow man it's troubling to think about that these big pesticide companies can just be pushing all these chemicals and synthetics into the ground and yet we found something that's all natural it's right in the organic philosophy Mm -hmm. and it could definitely you know help turn the agriculture world around it's not going to happen because of like money issues you know yeah i don't like that
0: By adding these beneficial microbes, Bacillus and the Pseudomonas, and I'm sure there's others, what kind of results are we going to see? What should be expected?
1: You're going to see a number of good results. One you can definitely notice is the availability of nutrients. You know, what happens when you inoculate your soil is the bacteria don't need all those micronutrients that we put down. They want a carbon source. Mm. And that's, you know, all your nutrients are going to be attached to some sort of carbon. And what your bacteria can do is grab that carbon and release the micronutrients that the plants are wanting. You should be able to use Less inputs and get the same results using some of these uh, microbials. And from, you know, like a disease standpoint, you know, if you get real specific with what species you're putting down, you can use it as almost a biocontrol or have it as like your integrated pest management for, you know, reduced disease pressure.
0: So what kind of what are we adding? And are we adding it to the soil? Do we spray it on the plants? How does this stuff get added?
1: So there's like a yes and no to everything about that. What you would be adding is probably something off your shelf, a retail shelf. It could be, like you said, some of those bacillus species. Mm -hmm. I feel pretty safe using those as a foliar. One things I wouldn't use as a foliar is a homebrew, like a compost tea. And that's just because you don't know what's actually in there. You know, you brewed that up yourself. There was no way to identify those species as opposed to like a microbial you find on the shelf. It's been identified via third party and it's okay to sell. Overall, you can add them almost anywhere. So if you're the type Of person likes to make your compost, you can add it to your compost, let that mature, and they're going to be in there. Or if you're just regular, you know, watering, Mm -hmm. you can always add it into your watering. And then there's some that you would even like to spray on as a foliar, you know, to get those photosynthetic bacteria up and running. No, but it's just going to be your personal preference. I know some people won't spray their plants. Other people, you know, spray them all the time. People like that soil, like a super soil, where it's a whole bunch of amendments and you let it cure and all your adding is water
0: right so when you say foliar tell me what that means
1: so like a spray application so something you know you would mix it in with say water you know a seaweed amendment so Mm -hmm. that's been pretty popular and some seaweeds actually have you know seaweed and kelp they'll actually have some natural microbes in there already so when you're adding more to it it's just you know icing on the cake and for a foliar, you know, you just gently spray the leaves until they're almost dripping. But what that's going to do is, you know, there'll be nutrients on the leaves from whatever other amendments you put down. Uh-huh. And those bacteria will then start to break it down, making it more available for the plant so they don't all get washed away. You know, the plant's actually able to absorb some of those nutrients through the leaves.
0: Wow. All right. Cool. So tell us about some of your products because you guys make products for this.
1: Oh, yes, we definitely do. We have our soil one, our big one, that's our organic actina. That is a streptomycetes species product. And a little bit about streptomycetes and atinomycetes, their composition in the soil, it's about 80% of the microbes in there. So you can tell that these guys are very important in the soil. And that's why, you know, it's a soil inoculant for us. Mm-hmm. They also have a history of producing some of the strongest antibiotics around. Streptomycin was produced by Streptomyces griseus, and that was like the first antibiotic used to treat tuberculosis, I believe. Oh, wow. Going even further into that, to the soil microbes, about 90% of the antibiotics we use today were taken from the soil, and most of those antibiotics come from your Streptomyces species curious yeah
0: you're just returning back to our roots so to speak
1: yeah just putting them back in there
0: yeah so what is high creations
1: so we are a scientific solutions company and we first started off just doing blogs and writing after hours Mm -hmm. you know just trying to work our way into the local communities you know we were currently working with the cannabis cactus doing a few of their articles every month about a year ago oh it's been over a year ago since we left our previous employment but we decided that you know we want to do nutrients and we want to do microbials because that's just what we love to do. I absolutely love going you know making a mix of bacteria or growing up something new And, you know, just this organic philosophy, you know, using all natural ingredients like your fish and your kelps and then using bacteria to break it all down and release it in the soil just works for us. And I really like meeting people that share that same philosophy and idea, you know, definitely trying to get away from the synthetics and chemicals around the world. And overall, we just want to educate people. A lot of people don't know about beneficial bacteria in the soil. Mm hmm. And it just plays such a powerful role for them. You know, it could really turn over your plant. You know, I've had people going on a few trips with Derek's, you know, he created a product called HydroGuard, which has been sold through Botanicare for some time now. You know, when he tells people that story, they're like, wow, you did that? You know, they shake his hand, you know, this is, you really helped me. You know, you got rid of this disease I was having, you know, these biofilms in my reservoirs. And it was just awesome to hear stories like that. You know, it's something you grew up with your own two hands and then you get to see that end product and that result response from it. And it's just worth it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I hear you. That's really the big reason why I do what I do.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm sure you love it when you show someone how to grow a tree. And then, you know, a couple years later, they've got this huge garden, they're producing fruit, they're feeding their families. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, you know, from, you know, we came from heavy agriculture. And, you know, everyone's got to eat. And, you know, the way we're farming these nowadays on such large scales, it's just you're going to need some help fighting off these diseases. And, you know, that's what we're, we're trying to do, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. So who are your typical customers?
1: We try to get everyone. We're helping people from the ground up. We have customers that are just local in the neighborhood. You know, we'll drive down to their house, see how their water's coming in. You know, a couple people we've been working with their flood irrigation. We'll set up some spots where we'll drop whatever products they're wanting. Usually out here in Arizona, it's been a lot of like humic acid and soil amendments Mm -hmm. because we've got this, you know, clay here and it's so salty and compact. Acted. You know, we were using it to try to loosen up the soil. But we also interact on the commercial scale with commercial farmers. You know, we've done some work in Idaho, Washington, and Oregon on potatoes. We went down to Yuma and worked with some of the lettuce growers, trying to cut back on some of the gray mold they were seeing. Wow. Yeah, with the head lettuce. Yeah. New Mexico, pecan trees. And we even help like, chemical companies. You know, if they need help writing up their SDS their safety procedures, that's us as well.
0: So I know a little secret here that our listeners don't know yet. And I'm going to call you out on it because the way you speak gives me the idea that you've got decades of knowledge you know, that you've learned, but you're young.
1: Yeah, I'm 27. Everyone calls me old soul. Oh,
0: yes. I can see that. Congratulations, man.
1: Thank you. I know. And I think it just comes from I like try to listen to people. I try to understand what they're saying because I don't like to admit I'm wrong, but yeah. I'm young (laughs) and, you know, other people that talk to me and they say something to me and they have experience, you know, you got to listen to it. Yeah. Even if you don't absorb it all, if you absorb just a little bit of something and what that person said changes your life, that helps them and that helps you. And then you can now go pass that along to someone else. Yeah. Passing on the knowledge. It's just great. You know, someone's out there experienced your life before. I'm pretty sure it's got to happen. You know, there's like billions of human beings on the world. Yep. As much as, you know, we were bratty teenagers and I'm still a young guy, you know, they've got this persona about millennials, how we're always right. We don't like to do anything.
0: Yeah, that's not the case.
1: Yeah, you got to listen and learn, you know? It's all right to fail. I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I hated failure for the longest time. You know, I would just get so upset and be so hard on myself. But it's just, you know, listen to people, learn, if you messed up, do it right again the next time, you know?
0: Well, and congratulations, by the way, with your success and your knowledge. But I'm 57 Mm -hmm. and everything you just said applies to me as well. Right.
1: (laughs) We're not very different. It doesn't matter age, race or where you came from. Once you chat with people, you realize, hey, this guy's lived the exact same life as me. Yeah. Who cares that we're thirty years apart?
0: Right, exactly. So your products are called Noble Gills, Heart Soul, Essence, and Life. Tell me about the product names that you picked.
1: So that's our wisdom line. And, you know, it's a funny story. All these creative names that came out from High Creations. We took some time to like, you know, what was if we had a company name, what we name it? Or like shot out some names and high creation stuck. And then we thought, what about If we had a nutrition line, what would we call it? So what's special about our products is that, you know, we make sure you know how to apply them and at the right time. Mm-hmm. so that's why we get the wisdom line for and noble gills that was just you know us trying to be creative but you know there's a little story to behind all those and you know, our fish fertilizer comes from sardine species which have really high fat content they live in colder waters and they produce a higher protein content as well so that's why we named them noble gills and heart and soul th- those are both humic acid derivatives
0: that makes sense
1: Right. And they're like the foundation of everything. You know, your soil is the key, you know, treating your soil, taking care of your soil. That's the key. So that's why we got those heart and soul and the story behind life. It's really cool. Have you seen a picture of the label? I should probably get you that.
0: Yeah, we'll get that and put it on our show notes page, but I haven't seen it. Tell us about it.
1: It's leaves. It's got one leaf that's kind of brown and dying, and then you know they get lighter to a vibrant and dark green. But it's like life, you know. Whatever stage you're at, you know you can go from green to brown or from brown to green. And at the end of the day, it's all plant food, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know us ourselves, we go in the ground. We're gonna become plant food. We start as green, and at that brown dry leaf, or you know maybe you have a plant that needs some extra love, and you put some life down, and it brings it back up to that vibrant green again. Wow and then essence that's you know very special product to us it's all about timing and the natural hormones that are in the seaweed the kelp and it's not extracted it's the actual whole plant. We don't use a harsh potassium hydroxide to remove it. Some of those kelp products will be like a black liquid when you pour it out. Right. We didn't go that route. We actually use the whole Ascophyllum nodosum, the kelp. You know, It's basically dried out on the shore and then ground up and put into a liquid form. So we're not doing it. We're preserving the essence of that kelp yeah. along with all the amino acids and plant hormones there.
0: So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you learned from it.
1: All right. You know, we chatted about this a little, but the first thing that came to my mind was my microbiology 328 class. This is the only class this professor taught, and when he introduced it to us, he's like, this is the hardest microbiology class you're going to take, and if you don't pass it, you're not going to get your degree. Wow. Yeah. He's like, I have three tests if you pass them all, you don't have to take the final. He's like, they're hard tests, though. No curve, no extra credit. He's like, I will allow you to earn five points at the end of the test, you know, from this bonus question. And he's like, and if your questions are really good and you thoroughly explain your answer, I might give you a little break.
0: I went back to school late in life. Mm -hmm. And in my 40s, I was at ASU getting two degrees. And when I found a professor like that, some people cringe, but I actually like those kind of professors. They're really straightforward, especially the ones that would let me test out of the final like that
1: he was- pretty much that type of professor. He was an awesome professor, straight up, honest, you know, and he taught the material really well. Mm -hmm. I just didn't happen to absorb it very well that first time. I totally bombed the first test, but he's really kind. He's like, if you guys see your grade and you don't like it, I know there's only two more tests and you might not be able to get the grade you want. You could drop it now, sit in on the class or, you know, take it next year when you're a little bit more ready. So I ended up getting pretty much like a 60. I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? How am I coming back, I decided to go ahead, drop the class, and what I needed was probably a little bit more of my biochemistry, which I hadn't taken yet. Hmm. So what I ended up doing is I took a summer course of biochemistry, a fall course of biochem, and then I came back the next spring, destroyed the class, didn't have to take the final, got A's on all my tests. But, you know, what I had to do was just stop and realize, hey, I think I need a little bit more knowledge about biochemistry because this class was bacterial physiology. And easiest way for me to explain that would be like organic chemistry, biochemistry mixed together with words, you know? Oh. <gasps>
0: Holy shmoleys, Batman. Right? Wow. Well, you made it through. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, I did. I was very happy with that. So what
0: do you consider your biggest success?
1: So I have to give you a little bit more background on this. Uh, My grandmother is from Mexico, and she grew up with like a dozen brothers and sisters, and they basically had four walls and, you know, dirt floors. Mm Mm-hmm. And during my time in high school, there was a program called the Mexico Mission Trip. I went to a Catholic high school, and they offered services like that, mission trips, couple of them. And we'd go down there, Tijuana, Mexico, and build a home for a family. I did it twice. I built two homes for them, even though it's probably no bigger than, you know, like a shed or a storage unit you would have in the back of your farm. Mm-hmm. To those little kids, it was like a palace. You know, they had like concrete floors. You know, I saw what their homes they had before, and it was just like pieces of rugs and rotten plywood on the top of their roof. You know, it's just made me think of my grandmother. Before we even finished the house, they were just so happy to have it. They were decorating it, trying to get whatever they could put together, you know, any little decorations or little homey things. Mm -hmm. I just love that. That was awesome for me to see. They had dinner with us, and it makes you really appreciate what you have. Especially since we built these home without any, you know, power tools or anything. We did all manual labor, manual saws, you know, no propane tools or anything like that. And it was just, it's awesome. It's humbling, but it also makes you like really appreciate, you know, what a handful of people, what you can actually accomplish together. Yeah, that
0: has to be one of the better answers to this question. Thank you for that.
1: You're welcome. I would love to do it again. I haven't done it in a while. And I know that there's people out there that have like, you know, 20 or 30 homes they've built. Mm -hmm. I would like to get a couple more under my belt, you know?
0: So what drives you?
1: I think it's the fact that I could discover a new soil bacteria or microbe every day until I die and there'd probably be still billions and billions more to look for, you know? It's just an endless supply of what you can discover out there. And, you know, each microbe, just depending on what they're exposed to, may have a little bit of a different gene expression. Maybe they produce a different antibiotic. You know, maybe something had a mutation along the way and this one's just super powerful. You know, you just have this well of almost unending knowledge and stuff for you to discover wow
0: cool so if you could recommend one book for our listeners what would it be and why
1: and this book would be called tweak growing up on methamphetamines and it's by the author nick Sheff. and this book came out i think i want to say about over 10 years ago and it's this guy's memoirs of him and his struggles with methamphetamines and opiates And his whole struggle kind of starts with him on the right path. And then you just see how quickly it turns into a terrible disaster. And his life is just the way he's living. It is crazy. And, you know, things that these drugs force him to want and need and the things he was doing to get those drugs. It's just very raw and powerful. It was a good read. But at the same time, like, it's just so serious, especially with like our modern day opiate crisis we have. Oh, yeah. I like to say, oh, plants versus pills. You know, let's try to do naturally holistic let's stay away from all these opiates and amphetamines you know if you think about it adderall and ritalin they're pretty much you know just a few hydrogen atoms away from being like cocaine or meth and you know we're giving these to our children adults you know everything to say they need a focus it's not a fix it's not a solution yeah they're highly addictive and they can put families through a whole bunch of pain. Right. And you know actually the father of Nick Chef, he wrote a book called A Beautiful Boy and I believe there's going to be a film out on Amazon at the end of the year about his book. It was real dynamic and just a crazy story. It's a good read. Wow,
0: cool. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
1: Go out there and do it. Just try. My first job, I remember I was supposed to be an inspector for the county, and I didn't know what to start. And my supervisor was like, hey, just go out there, take a drive to one of your locations, and just start. Just do it. Just start.
0: There you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Anthony.
1: Oh, it was a pleasure, man. I really appreciate The Urban Farm and some of the freebies you got out. I'm definitely looking to use that guide for the low desert planning to get something growing in my garden.
0: Cool. And how can our listeners get a hold of you?
1: You can check us out at www.highcreations.com. We are on Instagram at highcreations.com underscore az we're at high creations on facebook as well and that's spelled h-y-k-r-e-t-i-o-n-s high creations
0: Perfect. You can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash high creations one. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast claiming your inner urban farmer is easy grow food share it and name your farm then let the world know you're an urban farmer while supporting our podcast pick up your urban farmer bling hats and t-shirts at imanurbanfarmer.com we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the urban farm podcast remember to listen for tips advice and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson
1: learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams.
0: Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18 and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. and start your preserving adventures today. That's denalicanning.com forward slash free.